Am I wired now? Good? Okay, thumbs up. Love it. Okay. Uh, today is going to be more topical subject as opposed to uh, last time I had spoken, I went verse for verse. Picked a topic and went verse for verse. Today is more topical. I mean, things happen in life that get you thinking about different stuff. So, as we journey through our days, pain, suffering, and evil are circumstances that are not going to be remote to us. Certainly, Job experienced this, even though he was described by God as an upright man that feareth God and shuns evil. Job found himself subject to the most dreadful circumstances. We discovered we discover that once the devil asked God if he could put him through a time of testing, everything fell apart. The Sabaeans invaded his territory, killed his servants, stole his cattle. He lost all his flocks, and the shepherds were also killed. The Chaldeans came, they stole his camels, killed his servants. And then the news reaches them that his children, his sons and daughters, the house that they were in, came down upon them in a storm and they were all killed. And then Job himself became inflicted with a dreadful plague of boils. All this, the experience of a God-fearing man reminding us that suffering is no respecter of persons. It becomes apparent to us that suffering is a fact of our human existence. Well, why? And today, as I go through it, I'm going to try to focus around two questions. And this question, the first question, I know I've asked myself. And also, I've been asked by many unbelievers. This is the question, I think, that they try to challenge us on, or one of them. So the question, why did God, who, is, who in his sovereignty knows everything, plans everything, controls everything, create a world in which he knew things would go wrong and a world in which so much suffering would result? Why did he not simply prevent Adam and Eve from sinning? And if I had a dime for the amount of times I've been asked that question by a non-believer. So, let me try to answer it. So I always start off with a disclaimer because my first two words are going to be, I think. <laughs> so, always read the Bible for yourself. So, because... He wanted men and women to serve him freely and lovingly and not just because he gave them no choice. He wanted his creation to serve him freely and lovingly and not because he programmed them in a certain way. We are not robots. He could have removed the fruit from Eve's hand. He could have annihilated the devil before the world was made. But God chose to teach men and women the meaning of willing love 
and genuine obedience. It is our very freedom that makes that a reality. God knew that men and women, women would learn more about their <clears throat> excuse me, creator and bring more honor to his name if he allowed them first the freedom to go their own way. So God allowed sin to come into the world with all of its horrible results because that way we would learn to love God freely and because somehow God would show his love in a world full of evil. This allows us as Christians with a biblical worldview to say to our friends and neighbors and co-workers, no, we are not trying to apologize for God in relationship to the problem of pain. We recognize that God takes ultimate responsibility. God could, have stopped, God could stop evil tomorrow if he chooses. He could stop it at midnight tonight. But how many of us would be here after midnight? None of us. We're born into sin. Sin is evil. God has said that there will be a day when he brings all evil to an end. Meanwhile, he determines to leave things exactly as they are in order that men and women might be brought to a discovery of the fact that he has revealed himself supremely in his suffering, dying son. I think it is important because it leaves God sovereign over all things without making him the author of evil. He cannot be absolute goodness and be the author of evil. But we have to acknowledge that God is absolutely sovereign. Therefore, the ultimate responsibility comes to God. Isaiah 45, 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace, I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Thinking along these lines, hopefully, it may be a help to us as we try to help others. What do we say when a friend's diagnosed with cancer? Or when somebody loses a child? Or when someone's life begins to unravel before them? And if we look at the, the book of Job, and we see Job's friends as they tried to help Job, they, they weren't totally wrong in what they said. Like the first fellow, Eliphaz, he says, seek God. Well, it's always good to seek God. But that's why Job was in the situation he was, because he was a godly man. So he really didn't, it didn't pertain to the predicament, and all his other friends were the same. And then, of course, his wife in Job 2 tells him to curse God and die. So, not totally helpful. Let me just read a quote to you, which I, I had read several years ago, and I found again. But I think it, it, it kind of sums up Job's friends. It says, beware of applying principles at arm's length to a problem that is too deep for your arm's reach. 
And I always remember that. Let me read it again. Beware of applying principles at arm's length to a problem that is too deep for your arm's reach. Sometimes we just don't understand what we're dealing with. In Job 13, 4, 5, Job describes his friends. But ye are forgers of lies, ye are physicians of no value. Oh, that ye would altogether hold your peace, and it should be your wisdom. So they do their best in chapter 2. In Job 2, 12, 13, And when they lifted up their eyes afar off, and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and rent every one his mantle, and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So that they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights. None spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Sometimes just being there to hold a hand, put an arm around the shoulder, have a listening ear to the pain that the people have, is better than any word spoken. Because it is just too deep for us to know. So I'm going to kind of lead into the next question with Job 1.8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth? A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and ensueth or shuns evil. So, why did the righteous suffer? Why do we suffer? Well, there could be five different reasons. First reason, because suffering is a common human condition. We live in an imperfect world. The impact of sin means there's suffering. We get sick, we get hurt, and someday we will die. What did God say in the Garden of Eden? If you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. They ate of the fruit of the tree. That's the result. Matthew 5:45, For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. The righteous and the unrighteous live with the implications of suffering. Number two, God uses it to be corrective. He uses suffering to correct us. Psalm 119.67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy words. Also in Hebrews 12, God is described as a gracious father who would discipline his children and correct them by the means of his discipline in order that they will get back on the path of God and back on the path of his word. And how many times we will read in the Bible with the Israelites or even in our own lives, life's going great, everything's perfect. Why do we always seem to slip off the path? It is our human nature. God uses correctiveness, the corrective measures of, of pain and suffering to bring us back to him. 
We reach out to God more in times of need than times of good. Number three, God uses suffering to be constructive. Romans 5, 3 and 4. But we will glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. In most cases, when we see someone who has an empathetic eye or a tenderness to another one's pain and suffering, it is because they have probably walked that road themselves. I know even through my own life experience, until I've experienced certain things, I do not understand what the other person is going through. God constructs us to build our character so we can help others. And that's part of it. Number four. Suffering may simply be to glorify God. John 9. Jesus heals the man born blind. In uh, verse 2 and 3, and his disciples ask him, saying, Master, who did sin? the man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Jesus is saying this man endured blindness all through his life in order that, at this point in history, that he might be healed and bring glory to God. And they call him a man. So if I remember correctly, in, in, in those times, you had to be 20 or over to be considered a man. So he was blind for at least 20 years. He suffered that just to bring glory to God. So we, there's different things that we will put up with in, in this world, maybe pain and suffering, and, and we won't know. We won't know until the time when it may click or something may happen, it's to bring glory to God. We don't know. It's far too deep for my arm's reach. Well, I'll put it that way. And fifthly, it could be cosmic or spiritual. It's a spiritual suffering, right? Because there's a spiritual warfare. And that's what Job experienced. So the experience of suffering in the life of Job is to demonstrate now think of the story of Job, is to demonstrate before Satan and the angels that a person can love and trust God for who he is in himself and not merely for what he gets out of him. It, this is very important because God doesn't want people to become Christians just for an insurance policy against trouble, and he doesn't want us to live our lives without suffering because he wants to show the world that his people are sufficiently tough to suffer with the world's suffering and still trust God. And that's what Job was doing. The same God who chooses to bless us with a lovely sunset or the beauty of creation, he may choose to bless I or you with the experience of suffering. If we don't know how to suffer and face pain, how will the godless know how to do it? If we cannot, in light of eternity, 
in light of eternity, face the issue head on, then what are our neighbors and friends going to do? Christianity is not about escaping our problems. It's not come and follow Jesus and escape everything. It's come and follow Jesus and live. So what is the biblical worldview in relationship to this? Well, in the beginning, God made everything perfect. He gave Adam and Eve rules destined for their best welfare. And they broke the rules, went their own way. As a result, sin, disease, suffering of all kinds, and finally death itself came into the experience of mankind. And because all mankind, we are born with the sin nature, we follow their bad example, trying to do it alone. There are implications to going alone. When we refuse to obey God's counsel found in the Bible, he stands aside, he leaves us to it. And much of the world's suffering in our world today is a direct result of this. The world thinks they know best, and, and we see it. Watch the news. We see it. The world thinks they know, know best and want to go it alone. And that's the significance of Romans 1. And let me read you just three verses that are there. 21, 22, 25, and 26. And the way I wrote down, I'm going to go backwards. Because I wrote the last numbers first. So, <laughs> follow me. Um, 25, 26. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. For this cause God gave them up to vile uh, affections. 22, professing themselves to be wise became fools. but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Read the news headlines. Now, in the midst of all that, God's still doing three things. God, in his grace, is holding back sin and suffering to a degree that I don't think we fully understand. If he were to take his hand off of our culture, what do you think it would be like? Again, I revert back to Job. Look what happened to Job in just a couple of days. We have a, 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 a devil, an adversary, that wants to do us harm. God, in his graciousness, even though the world is in the state it is, holds back sin and suffering to a very, 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 very large degree. And I don't think we understand it. I, I don't understand it, sorry. Again, too far from my arm's reach. He allows man-made suffering to show us how desperately we need God. And thirdly, he uses natural disasters to blow a big trumpet to remind men and women that they are not the masters of the universe or of our own fate. How many times have we heard, I've heard it many a times, I am the master of my own destiny. Sorry, don't think that's going to be. God's got the final word. 
And to take the sting out of suffering, he gives us the Bible so that we know how to live. He has given us the prospect of heaven so that we not need be without God and without hope in this world. He has given us the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ that we might trust in him and has given us the Holy Spirit that we may, might be made new. The Christian believes in a God who is hanged bloody and beaten on a Roman cross, answering that proud, defiant questions of mankind. God, do you know about suffering? And the cry from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what does he tell us? I will never forsake you nor leave you because of that bloody Roman cross. Jesus paid it. He was forsaken that you and I might be forgiven. Not that we would have the answers to all the questions. He doesn't ask us to answer all the questions. He asks us to trust him. Do you trust him? Do we really trust him? And I often ask myself these two questions. I've read these, I do a lot of reading in my, if I'm able, but I do a lot of listening. I'm a truck driver, I have satellite radio. I listen to a lot of preaching. That's where I get, it, it goes in here and believe it or not, some things actually do stick. <laughs> two questions I ask myself sometimes in front of the mirror. What have I done to deserve the beauty and your goodness to me, Jesus? What's the answer? Absolutely nothing. Second question, Jesus, what have I done that I should know it? Absolutely everything. What have I done that I, did I read that right? What have I done that I should not know it? Absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. Again, when the time comes, well, are we going to trust him? Ultimately, it's tough. You know, in, in I had touched on this subject because of the things that we go through in life. And in the last few months, I have spent time with a man who lost his wife to cancer, a co-worker at 46 years old that died to cancer, a friend who lost a loved one, and another friend who lost a 19-year-old grandson in a car accident. And what do we say to these people? What do we say? And, it, and it's tough. You know, when you sit in the hospital with a dying man and he wants nothing to know about the gospel. He's not interested. But then his loved one tells me that he died cursing and swearing. It breaks your heart. You're right there with him. You have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. Believe in him and live. Sad state. Sad state. So I know I did a fairly high flyover. That subject is very deep, but I just wanted to dwell on those two questions to maybe help stimulate one's thought 
and help out in any situation because there is a lot of suffering and evil out there. And we need to trust in Jesus, trust in the Spirit. Pastor?